you're listening to Give Me the Bible with Len. Today's program is entitled Mysteries. Hello my radio friends, I'm glad you've joined me today and I'm really happy to hear of still more people who've been listening to these Give Me the Bible programs and who've contacted our producer Nick to tell him so. It's amazing to me that there are so many people who are interested in what the Bible has to say and probably you're one of them because you're listening right now. And it's my hope that you will not be just a listener, but will become a doer, that is, do something about what you know to be right. You must realise that we will not be judged on what we know, by, but by what we do. Our deeds, our actions, our words and carrying out what we believe are the things that count with God. Mere knowledge does not bring anyone into a saving relationship with the Lord, and application of that knowledge and acceptance of the Holy Spirit's leading will. It's a bit like this. You probably know that if you smoke, the chances of you having a premature death are quite high. But if you don't make any change and keep on smoking as usual, then you will not be very likely to live a healthy life and live to attain an old age. Mere knowledge is not enough. You need to take action. Human beings are generally curious. We like to know what is obscure and or hidden. Mystery thrillers, be they novels or films, are popular with many people. Many people find the Bible a mystery, claiming that it cannot be understood. But as you read it, somehow the mysteries lessen and you begin to appreciate its beauty, its wisdom and what it reveals. But are you aware that the Bible itself claims to have mysteries? And I want to share some of these with you today. In Matthew thirteen ten and 11 is recorded a question asked by Jesus' disciples and the answer he gave. Jesus often spoke to the crowds of people in parables and the disciples asked one day, Why do you speak to them in parables? Jesus replied, Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. Now that doesn't mean that the people could not or would not know what Jesus was talking about. What it does mean is that by using parables, that is, stories, 
to illustrate a deep meaning, Jesus was able to convey to the people, many of whom were illiterate, what he wanted them to know. And that's something like a parent trying to explain an adult concept, like sexual desire, for example, to a small child. The child will not have experienced any feelings in relation to sexual desire, and therefore it's difficult to explain to him or her what is quite normal for adults. The parables were given to provide the people a basis to understand, because the stories were interesting. And then Jesus elaborated further, and we read this in verse 13, where he said, I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Have you ever had a new car? With the car, you would have received an owner's manual for the car. At first, there would have been things explained in the manual that you did not understand. They would have been a mystery to you. But as you learned the basics of the car, you then were able to better understand the more complex things, and so on. And the Bible is no different. You begin with the basics, then move on to the more complex. It is no slur on the character of anyone who does not understand something which others have no problem with. We are all at different levels of understanding and also different levels of growth in the kingdom of God. Let me illustrate. I know a lady who until recent times had very little to do with the Bible, the church, or anything for that matter of a spiritual nature. But through friendship with Christians, she has become interested in the things, or if you like to call it this way, the mysteries of God. She can't be expected to know what somebody who's studied God's word for many years to know. And it's very fascinating to hear the questions she asks. So if you're enjoying these programs, you probably listen because you too are learning more about the things of God and about your relationship with him. The Gospel of Luke records the same question and answer as does the Gospel of Matthew. Luke 8 verse 10 in in Luke 8 verse 10 Jesus answer itself may seem a mystery he said he spoke to them in parables because seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand does this Jesus does Jesus mean that he was deliberately hiding truth well I doubt that. It would be a contradiction if Jesus would spend his time and effort here on earth healing, teaching, preaching, and doing what he did for the benefit of the people if he intended hiding truth from them. 
Perhaps we would better understand what Jesus said this way. Although they see, they are not able to grasp the significance of what they see and hearing because they do not really understand what it's about. In Ephesians chapter 3 verses 2 to 6, the Apostle Paul explains, You have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you, how that by revelation he, that's God, made known to me the mystery by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs in the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. Now, in case you didn't understand that, what Paul is saying is that God revealed to him, that's Paul, the mystery about Christ, and he was sharing that truth with everybody who would listen. But did you notice that Paul called the mystery the mystery of Christ? Now, I've read my Bible from cover to cover, to cover to cover, and have reread many portions. When you read the books that Paul has written, starting at Romans and going right through to Hebrews, Paul explains the mystery of Christ in such a way that you just cannot miss it. In fact, it is not just with Paul's writings, but throughout the Bible, Christ is revealed. In the Old Testament alone, there are 350 prophecies pointing to Christ. Jesus Christ is the central figure of the whole Bible. So, what is the mystery of Christ? To a committed Bible-believing Christian, the mystery is largely revealed. But to those who know very little about the Word of God, there is a mystery. The mystery is, why would a perfect God who cannot sin and who hates sin be prepared to come to this degraded planet and live amongst human beings who did not appreciate him and then give his unblemished life in order that they might enjoy his privileges for unending eternity. The writers of the New Testament unravel this puzzling question and reveal that it is because of God's nature, his character, that he was prepared to do what he did to save damaged human beings. So what is God's nature? 1 John chapter 4 verse 7 sums up God's nature where it says, God is love. And then in 1 John 3, 1, the Bible explains the degree of God's love for lost mankind. It says, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us 
that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. When I think of what God has done for me personally, I can't find any merit within myself that he should have any concern for me. I'm not indispensable. I've not lived a perfect life. I don't have any talents that make me deserving that Jesus should lay down his life to save mine. I'm not famous or worthy. In fact, there is every reason for me to be punished rather than to be saved. Like you, I have sinned. Like you, I've turned my back on God at times. Like you, I've not always stood up against evildoers, slanderers, and those who take God's name in vain. And it's not because I've done a lifetime of good things to deserve God's love. I haven't. Yet despite my faults and failings, God still loves me to that extreme extent. And that's a great mystery. And although I accept God's love and the plan of salvation by faith, I cannot fully understand it. And we're going to have a break here and go on straight afterwards. Softly and tenderly Jesus is calling Calling for you and for me See on the portals He's waiting and watching Watching for you and for
calling, calling, oh sinner, come home. Now we come to another mystery. The mystery of eternity and of the Godhead being three personalities acting as one, they being God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Coupled with that is the mystery of God having no beginning and no ending. In the Gospel of John, chapter 8 and verse 58, Jesus gave a clue about his past. He said, Before Abraham was, I am. In the book of Revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ, the, the Apostle John wrote about what Jesus said about himself in chapter 1, verse 18. Jesus said, I am the Alpha, that's the first, and the Omega, the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forever and ever. As human beings, we can identify our beginnings and endings. But God is eternal. It's no good asking where God came from, because God always was and always will be. Is that a mystery or what? In Psalms chapter 90 verse 2, Speaking about God, it says, Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. The Bible contains a number of other texts in Psalms and Revelation saying much the same thing, that God always was and always will be. Because we are finite, meaning we have a beginning and an ending, the fact that there exists a being in the universe, namely God, who is infinite, is beyond our realm of experience and comprehension. But that such a being, this God, who loves me and wants my company forever, is also a great mystery. In 1 Timothy chapter 3 appears this statement. It's found in verse 16. It says, Beyond all question, the mystery of godliness is great. He appeared in a body, was vindicated by the Spirit, was seen by angels, was preached among the nations, was believed on in the world, was taken up into glory. This verse is primarily talking about the incarnation of Jesus, that Jesus, the life-giver, the eternal one, as ruler of the universe, laid aside his glory and came to earth and lived a life as a normal human being in order to save sinners. But there is another aspect of this expression, the mystery of godliness, that I'd like to share with you today. There are many thoughtful people in the world who are prepared to, ha to face 
and ask the big questions like, why are we here? Where did we come from? And what will the future be like? With regard to the future, there are very few who regard the world's future as bright and hopeful. In fact, Stephen Hawking said, this planet or humanity will not survive unless we go out from the world in order to continue living. See, most predictions from scientists and sociologists about the future of the planet are about doom and gloom, about death and problems. Australia is often called the lucky country. And according to 2016 statistics, there are 12.7 suicide deaths per 100,000 of the population. And I suspect there are many other deaths not attributed to suicides that were actually suicides. Suicide deaths may include deaths from drug overdoses, excessive drinking, self-harm, and accidents that were planned and executed by people who saw no hope for the future. The mystery of godliness is what happens within a person who learns about what God has done for him or her. From hopelessness springs hope. From self-worthlessness comes a sense of self-worth. From choosing to serve self comes a desire to serve God and others less fortunate than themselves. From misery springs joy. From confusion and distress comes peace. But how could such a change occur? It's a mystery. I know what happens to anyone who accepts Jesus as their personal saviour and it's wonderful to observe it. But how that change comes about is difficult to explain. It's as difficult to explain how a seed that's dry and dead can, given the right conditions of soil and moisture, springs to life and becomes a living, growing, healthy plant. I know that Part of becoming a happy, holy, healthy, saved person is the work of the Holy Spirit within that person. But it's a mystery, a mystery of godliness. Friends, I suspect that some of you are not at peace. You may be worried about your health, your security, your relationships and or your future. But when you belong to the Lord, you're safe. You may still have concerns, but you're at peace. Just recently I was talking to a friend who's a committed Christian. He loves the Lord and serves him passionately. He was, he's just been diagnosed with advanced bladder cancer. But what he said to me was amazing. He said, I'm not worried about the future. I'm in the Lord's hands, and whatever his will is for me, I'm happy to accept.
You know, that's part of the mystery of godliness. My friends, this is my desire for you, that you too make the choice to honour and obey him who gave his life for you and allow him to work his mysterious work in you. And then you will have the kind of peace my friend has. And on that note, we must stop today. Until next time then, I wish you the peace and hope and joy that comes with knowing and responding to Jesus Christ, He who loves you so very, very much. Trust in Jesus Just to take Him at His word Just to rest Upon His promise Just to know The saith the Lord Jesus,